Good Monday morning. Welcome back to the last question. And today's, this week's Monday morning meditation. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm recording this really without a lot of prep uh, other than last night as I was thinking about what this week's meditation would be. I had had some notes written down. I already knew, quote unquote, knew what the question was going to be. And then last night I spent uh, a lot of time thinking about an email I had recently sent to my subscribers. And the, the subscribers to the Enable Word newsletter, many of them have been around for a couple of years and they've been with me and with the Enabled Word family for uh, as long as Enable Word has been around. And so um, as a side note, I should say, first off, thank you. Uh, you know who you are, I think. Uh, it's a small group, but it is a group that's been um, receiving the emails and engaged and giving me feedback for a couple of years. And your feedback has meant a ton for me and it helps me maintain my own momentum as I continue down this new path. But uh, anyway, so I sent an email last week to my subscribers as an extension of my question to you from two weeks ago, how will I take responsibility? And by extension, asking you, how will you take responsibility? And uh, the, the context of this question comes from not just a conversation with Maggie, my wife, but uh, a lot of thinking, deep thinking and soul searching, you might say, as I transition from the active duty military and acknowledge that some of the content I've put out in the past uh, has been negative on the experience and there are negatives uh, to any experience, to any professional experience, certainly. So as I acknowledge that, right, I, I understood and my wife helped me understand that I can't just spend all of my time and certainly can't spend all of your time being negative, staying negative. And so one of the first things I needed to say and come out in the open with was taking responsibility also includes advocating for the positive sides of whatever your experience is, in my case, time spent in uniform, but also advocating for those others who are still in uniform, who are providing a vital service to the nation. What can I do to be their guardian at home while they are my guardian away? while they are my guardian, your guardian downrange. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about that since doing that episode two Mondays ago. Uh, and so last night, as I was thinking back to the email I sent to subscribers, I realized, you know, at, whether or not you want to hear the answer, I think it might be useful. And, and perhaps you would think so too, for me to share the steps that I have taken and am taking to take responsibility. And I share this you know, not because I'm telling you what to do, but then again, I am suggesting perhaps that if you are looking to take responsibility in a particular part of your life at work or maybe in your community somewhere or at home, it's not as simple as saying, I'm going to take responsibility. I think we, we like to make it sound that way. And I'm the last person to try to complicate things. In fact, I, I often will argue against creating a checklist or a process, but in this case, when I sent that email, as I was writing it, I realized, you know, taking responsibility does in one sense mean taking ownership of your team's mistakes, taking ownership of your mistakes, taking ownership of your role at work, at home. Um, but 
But for me, I needed to articulate more beyond that. I needed to put those steps into print, not just for my benefit, but you know, sending it out to the world, sending it out to a subscriber list, and then sharing bits and pieces of it, uh, either on social media or right here on this podcast, is a way for me to take responsibility and also uh, implicitly ask you to be an accountability partner for me, a check for me. And so this week's meditation is um, part two to the question from two weeks ago, how will I take responsibility? And if you'll permit me, I'm going to share with you the five steps I shared with my subscribers. I'm not going to be reading an email. That's not what this episode is. Uh, and it's still going to be pretty short. I like the Monday morning episodes to be a short jump start to your week. But I want to share these steps with you and just ask you to think about what executing these steps would look like in your life now. Spend the week thinking about what it would mean to do these, these five things. Um, so I will give you the five steps, kind of give you what I'm thinking, and then that'll be it for this Monday meditation and for this week, and we'll be on our way. Okay. So first off, I had sent another email to my subscribers. Once I had realized that asking yourself how you will take responsibility isn't useful until you have answered a prior question, why should I? So it, it maybe it's obvious to you why it's important to take responsibility. And I, and I think I've taken for granted the idea that individual responsibility is important. I worked in a job where if I didn't take ownership of my mistakes, first off, my boss wouldn't think much of me. But second, neither would my team. And third, I would never get anywhere, even in the things that I wanted to influence. So even as a leader who at the end of the day is looking to influence an outcome, ideally a positive outcome somewhere, somehow, you're not going to get very far if you're not taking ownership and responsibility for your role, your mistakes, your contribution, because you're not going to build credibility. You're, you're just going to be scapegoating. You're going to be shirking responsibility. You're just going to, you're never going to get anywhere. So why should you take responsibility? In my mind, the answer came down to the one person you can positively impact. And I spent some time in that, in that note talking about you know, what that one person could get from you and then what that one person can influence and who else they can influence by taking responsibility. And it, and it becomes this, um, it can become this exponential effect, right? If you positively influence two or three or four and each one of them positively influences two or three or four, think about what that, what that kind of effect can have. And then think about what kind of cumulative effect it can have if everyone was starting to take ownership uh, to that level. So the second note, how will I take responsibility and how would I suggest you take responsibility? And that's where I get into the steps. Step number one, get your priorities in order. Uh, the teach train lead model that we developed as part of uh, enabled words coaching programs, and it's the foundation of the enabled leader, uh, enabled leader one-on-one -on -one program. Um, it comes down to values. What do you value? What is most important to you? Uh, you may call them core values. I call them core values. Um, in your case, it might simply be a list of priorities, things that you care most about. What matters the most is that you write them down and then use them to establish what I call red lines. What are those lines 
a, that you will not cross no matter what. So in my case, you know, family was always a red line in that I would not sacrifice my family's well-being or time with my family for work. And I think a lot of us say that. And I said that for a long time when my wife and I got married, we both wanted to grow a family and we had both wanted to enter into the marriage to have not just a strong relationship, but to build a strong household and to have children and to grow a family and to focus on that. And then to be professionals also, but not the other way around where we were professionals first who just so happened to have, you know, a few kids in a house or whatever. Okay. That's not everybody's dream. That's totally okay. That was ours. And yet I found myself neck deep in professional obligations, in professional ambition, in goals, in um, trying to address other needs from a professional standpoint, from a workplace standpoint, that I almost lost sight of that red line entirely. Now, I've since recovered it. I've gotten back to it. I've gotten back over onto the good side, in my case, the good side. But I realized that it can be a constant struggle, particularly if you really are fulfilled in what you do, but your professional um, endeavor, whatever it is, if your vocation takes up a lot of time, takes up a lot of mental energy, particularly if it's not traditional work hours like my job was, or, or wasn't, I should say, that can be a real challenge. Writing down your core values or writing down what matters to you, what your priorities are, and using that to establish your red lines is a minimum first step in taking responsibility. You can have those red lines at work too, right? So there are going to be priorities. I had certain priorities at work that I would not cross. There are certain things that I would not do to undermine my teammates, my crew members. Um, and so I'm not just talking about at-home priorities, but whatever they are, write them down and establish your red lines. And then step two is tell anyone you have to about what those red lines are your bosses, your friends, your family, your kids, brothers, sisters, um, church leaders, your coach at the gym, whatever, whoever you need to share these with so that you, so that you build an accountability framework, right? A feedback loop, right? So um, let's say you train, you train in a gym or you train martial arts. This is something I've been thinking about for myself for a while. If I, if I share with my coach or my trainer or, or who's, or someone at the gym, I just go work out with. And I say, you know, one of my red lines is I will work out every weekday. Weekends are different. You know, we've got the kids and we're doing stuff, but every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I will be here and I will train. Whoever that person can then will call you out. Presumably you've asked them to, hopefully you've asked them to, but that person now is in a position to call you out when on Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning or whenever it is, you don't show or you text and you say, Hey, I might be late. I'm doing something at work. And they can hit you back with a message and say, dude, come on. This is a red line. You know, you want to make this happen. What could possibly be going wrong? Now I get it. Emergencies happen. Things go wrong. I'm, I'm in the middle of reading a book about the financial crisis, right? So if you work in an investment bank that's about to implode, okay, I'm not going to get into an argument about workplace emergencies. If you're a healthcare provider, we just released the episode last week with uh, Allie Butler, 
she's a healthcare provider, she has patients, if she has an emergency in her pharmacy, no one is going to expect her to just drop it all and go to the gym. Um, however important that health might be, right? Her patient's life is going to take priority in that moment. So emergencies aside, though, how many of those genuine emergencies do you really encounter at work? And if the answer is not many, then why are you crossing your red line? Tell anybody you need to about your red lines. Number three, step number three, take stock of your mistakes, which includes every single time you've crossed one of those red lines. So just because you crossed it in the past doesn't mean it's not a priority. Time with my family has always been a priority, but I've not always acted that way. But that doesn't mean it's not my priority now. I just have to be open and honest about the fact that I screwed that up. And as a, and as a side note, I should say, right, family time is, in my mind, I've realized pretty vague, right? A lot of us say, well, I care way more about my family than I do my job. And, and we probably believe it, right? At the end of the day, when you retire or leave whatever your professional endeavor is, certainly when you leave the military, no matter how long you're in, you're hoping, I would think, that your family is still there on the other end, right? That your family is there when you've signed out from your last base or your last unit. Um, but that's not true in every case, right? So that, so that doesn't mean take the easy road and when you're writing down your priorities, say, well, family's never been a priority, so I'm just not going to write it down. What do you no shit care about? Write that down tell anyone you have to and be prepared at step three, not just to stake, to take stock of your mistakes, but when someone calls you out and says, well, okay, you said family, but dude, you, you were busting your tail six days, seven days a week, the, all the time I knew you. Yeah, you're right. And that was wrong. That was a mistake. I shouldn't have been doing that. Um, take stocks of, take stock of, all your other mistakes. What else have you done in the past that you shouldn't have? This isn't, it's not to dwell on these mistakes, but the, the, the key out of this step, the key out of taking stock is figuring out what you're going to do to prevent others from not making the same mistakes. Your mistakes are in the past. And M Maggie will laugh when she hears this. Some of you will probably laugh when you hear this because I am terrible about rehashing old mistakes and thinking about what I've done in the past. But of course it's true. Anything I've ever done in the past that was dumb, anything I've ever done in the past that I realize I shouldn't have done, any bad decisions are in the past. I have no way of changing that history. The only thing I can do, shouldn't say only really, the, the, I think the most important thing I can do to make those mistakes valuable as part of my history is to help others from making the same ones. You're going to make your own share of mistakes doing whatever you do. That's fine. But at the very least, I can help you not make the ones that I made. Otherwise, we're all just repeating the same cycle. And then, of course, we get into these loops where we're like, well, I'm just going through the grind every day, going through the motions, going to work, coming home, going to work, coming home. No. We shouldn't be reliving everyone else's mistakes. Would be, we should be learning from them so that we're not making the same ones so that life incrementally gets better over time. So step three, taking stock of your mistakes, isn't just about 
writing out your laundry list of failures. It's about helping other people not commit those failures. That's taking responsibility for someone else. That's serving someone else. Step number four, find the medium to share what you learned. It's taken me some time. I've, I've, I've found myself on a couple of different social media platforms, and you are listening to what's becoming a primary medium for me. I'm a longtime listener to podcasts. I listen to them often, especially when I'm commuting. My commute at, at one point was uh, 30 to 45 minutes driving downtown. And so especially pre-COVID, when bumper-to-bumper traffic was the norm, 7.30 in the morning, I'm chasing brake lights and I'm listening to a podcast, some of them two to three hours in length. And I, I love to learn that way. I, I like to use that time in the car. And so for me, this medium comes naturally. You may disagree. You, you this, this may not um, come off naturally or it may not sound natural to you. But for me, this is a great way to share what I've learned, to share what I am learning. Uh, and to try to communicate with uh, other people that are interested in taking responsibility and moving forward with with whatever their past looks like, with whatever your mistakes look like. Um, you know, the, it was at this point in the email that I started to think about what mistakes I had made uh, in my professional past, especially when it came to the teams that I worked with. And, and the one, the number one that came out in my mind was, you know, I would like anyone else in an organization, I, I, I believed in the organization, I believe in the institution, I believe in the military and its mission, and I believe in the, the airmen that I've worked with and the leaders that I've worked with. And the vast majority of people in uniform, right, are there for good reasons and are there, regardless of why they got in, right, they're there serving in defense of the country. And regardless of how long you spend in the service, every single person who has volunteered to sign on the on the dotted line, so to speak, and has put themselves into that environment, deserves respect for that decision. Do we have our bad apples? Of course, we do just like every other organization. But but the the thing that I missed the 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 mistake that I made that I'm still trying to articulate is I, I got to a point later in my, in my active duty time where I realized my focus must be 100% on my team. Not that it wasn't before, but in an organization like the military, and really I would, I would say any large organization, large company, private, public sector, wherever you are, there is a constant push and pull between the institution the, the big machine and the team and the individual. And there are going to be moments where you find yourself having to choose between doing something that might be better for the team at the tactical level, the low level, versus doing something that maintains the institution's name or the brand or momentum towards some bigger goal that the team might not be contributing to. Or you might find yourself in a push and pull like that. And I've looking back, realized that I've been in that push and pull more often than I acknowledged at the time. Like every time I tried to convince someone, hey, you should stay in because we need good people like you. And I wasn't lying when I said that. I would, I would have that conversation with people I genuinely believed would be better for the service to keep and would be a good leader going forward. 
uh, and would be good for the airmen who would eventually work with them. But I don't know how realistic I was with those people on the on the flip side by saying, I, I, I think you have a lot to give and you have a ton of potential to lead well in this organization. But I will also give you a sense of how much of a struggle it can be to be in the institution that long. Now, part of it probably, I didn't have enough time in the institution to speak intelligently on those types of things. And maybe that's why it just didn't come to mind. And so now that I've gotten to a point where I'm starting to understand that push and pull more, now I feel compelled to, to balance out my feedback, to balance out my opinion, to balance out the advice, if you want to call it that, that I would give. Regardless of what this is for you, find your medium. Podcasting has become a medium for me. I'm on a couple of different social media platforms. I do have a subscriber email, right? Which sounds like a lot, but there are a whole lot of platforms out there I, I don't even know exist. Every other week, it seems I'm hearing about a social media platform that somebody's created. Um, working with college students helps, right? I hear about all these things. No, I'm not on TikTok and I don't think I will be, but a lot of people are. And TikTok is a useful way to convey a particular message. It's a useful way to tell a story. Um, find the medium that works for you. If you're a writer, if you're better, if you're more comfortable on audio, if you really love doing video, everybody's got some amount of creativity in them they can marshal. The, the question is, what's the medium and what's the method that pulls it out the best? Use that medium to share what you've learned. If you speak in front of crowds comfortably, if you speak in front of people comfortably, maybe you're a, a teacher and the traditional classroom environment is where you feel the most comfortable, that's where you thrive, find ways to share in that venue. Find ways to share in um, guest roles, in seminars. Find a medium to share your mistakes and to share what you learned from them. It matter. It will matter to someone else. And, and, if you're, and if you're telling yourself no one cares, my only answer to you is one person will. And if you're serious about taking responsibility, that one person's all that matters. And if you influence positively someone else beyond that, great. But that one person should make it worth it. Step number five is simple, share the lessons, right? So at this point, you've, you've taken stock, you've got a medium or two that you're comfortable with, that you thrive in. Now share and be honest. Uh, Brene Brown, I think, has made the idea of vulnerability in leadership uh, popular. I don't know if that's the right word. It, it's certainly a part of the leadership discourse now, and I've, and I've heard different people. Um, some people lament the idea of vulnerability. They don't like the word, or they don't like what it means, or they think that all, all it is is coming out and being emotional and sharing your mistakes, and that's going to make you uh, a leader worth following. And I think that argument simply, it simplifies it too much. So you are not a credible leader if you are perfect to your team. Because for one thing, your team knows you're not. It's a given you're not perfect. It's a given you're not perfect. It, it, because even if you appear perfect on the surface at work, 
you may not be perfect at home. If you appear perfect on the surface at work, there's something in your background. There's some mistake you made, maybe a decision you made you shouldn't have. Maybe you're not very good at administrative processes. It doesn't matter how trivial or how big. You're not perfect, and your team knows that because your teammates aren't perfect. Your peers aren't perfect. Your bosses aren't perfect. So where I think we might talk past each other in the vulnerability discussion is it's really about being honest, right? I mean, that's really all we're talking about here is just being honest. Because you also don't take over a new team or take command of a unit. And it's not always a good idea for the first thing out of your mouth to be, hey, I never thought I'd be here because I've been a terrible leader up to this point. But I'm really excited to start with you guys now. That's probably not a good way to start. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's appropriate for the venue. I would bet against it. But over time, if you want to build trust between you and a team that you are charged with leading, which you should want to do, if you're looking to build trust, you have to trust first. And trusting first in practice really means being open and honest, not just with your expectations, with your vision of the future, but where are you coming from? What have you struggled with in the past, especially if your team is struggling with something similar? When I came into my last job teaching ROTC, I've got junior and senior students, cadets that are supervising for the first time, and they're making all sorts of mistakes they're afraid to make. But none of us can expect them to be brilliant leaders and brilliant supervisors. They've never done it before. And certainly, even if they had, the experience is short-lived. They, they live life one semester at a time. I was the same way, one quarter at a time, back in the good old day of quarters. So, so it doesn't do any good for me to walk in and say, you guys are doing this all wrong. You don't seem to care enough. This is what you should be doing. This is what you should be focusing on, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't do anyone any good. What? What helped, I think, in some cases at least, is when I came into a conversation or I came into class and I said, look, this is when I first started out on active duty, this is, these are all the ways that I should have led and didn't. These are the decisions I made that I shouldn't have. This is the information I should have asked for and didn't. Certainly when I was in ROTC, I made mistakes too, but it, it was more important for them often to hear that even after you get on active duty as a brand new officer, as a brand new anything on active duty, you're still going to mess stuff up. You're still going to mess stuff up. So being open and honest with what those mistakes were, because it's still not good enough for me to say, hey, you're going to make mistakes. No big deal. Okay. Great, dude. Like, I don't know what. I guess, but what, what, like what? Like, what should I be watching out for? It doesn't help until... I have taken stock of my own mistakes. I find the medium and I share them, which in the seminar format, in the classroom, as a teacher, my medium was largely in the classroom or one-on-one -on -one in counseling and advising sessions. On Zoom, once COVID hit, we were still spending time together virtually. And I was 100% honest with my students. I couldn't always give them names, but they don't really care about the names either because it's not about gossiping about people. It's about talking through 
the lesson that you learned that will no kidding help your team do better in the future. No kidding, help your family. It will no kidding help your kids. This is one I thought a lot about as we raise two boys is are the, the lessons that I will share with them and talk them through or the things that I wish I had learned and didn't until later or the things I wish I had asked about but didn't until later that if they would ask or learn about will set them up for success sooner. They may not take all the advice, certainly. Kids don't necessarily do that, but I at least will try because that is my responsibility. So I hope that was helpful. Five steps to take responsibility. Spend some time this week thinking about what those five steps mean to you. If you've got a step here or there that you've accomplished already, great. If you've got a step among those, or if you've got one that you want to add to it, great, right? This is all about how you will take responsibility and what that looks like for you. These five steps are simply a guideline, an idea for you. These are my five steps. What matters the most is put some thought into what those steps look like for you and then get started on them. Doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter what your job was or used to be. Doesn't matter what your job is now. Doesn't matter whether you are married, have kids, have a big family, a small family, you live in an apartment, a house, a suburb, an urban area. None of that stuff matters. You may tailor your message because of it. You're going to have a different experience because of some of that stuff. But these steps aren't related to any of that. Ask yourself, how will I take responsibility this week? And how can I execute on these five steps in my case? Three steps for you, perhaps. But how will I accomplish these steps? What will it look like? And by Friday, what can I make happen? What can I make happen by accomplishing these steps? Have a great morning. Have a great week. Be on the lookout for our episode coming up uh, on Thursday. It's a, it's a little bit longer, but it was a fantastic conversation uh, about uh, several things, including ethical leadership. So more on that. Subscribers will hear more on that uh, in the coming days. And then find us on social media, and it'll be out Thursday afternoon like normal. We will see you guys later.